0: As I looked closer, it appeared as if the markings were scratches, like someone or something had been scratching at the walls, trying to get out. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story. I know it's been a while since I added a new episode and I apologize for making you wait. I've mentioned on past episodes that I suffer from depression and PTSD and and sometimes it can put me in a place mentally where I just don't have the energy to write or record. And then that depresses me more. But I wanna thank all of you for being there for me I've gotten so many great emails these past few months, so many messages thanking me for my stories and saying that you love the podcast. And many of you told me your paranormal stories, and all of that helps keep me going. So I've got to honestly say, you've kept me motivated and gotten me back to doing the things I love. So I hope that this will be the start of many more episodes to come. Also, your generosity has been incredible. Times have been pretty tough this year, no joke. And there were a few times I thought I might have to shut down the podcast just to save money. But so many of you made donations along the way that have helped me keep it on the air. So I can't thank you enough. Jill Glasser, Mel West, Veronica Belmont, uh, Megan Mobley, Seth Cotter, Bridget Guild, and Liz After Death. Thank you so much for making donations to this podcast and helping keep it going. If you'd like to email me with your comments or to tell me your paranormal story, I will always reply. Just email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to make a donation to the podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it. I have Venmo, PayPal, and Cash App buttons on my website at myparanormalstory.com. Oh, and I also have coffee mugs and t-shirts that you can buy, too. So again, thank you so much for being there for me. I also want to thank Greg from the podcast Scary Time for featuring me once again. Scary Time is a podcast from the Indie Drop-In Network. Every week, they feature an episode from a different paranormal podcast, which makes it a great way to discover new podcasts and new stories that you haven't heard yet. It's sort of like a best-of compilation of all the best spooky stories and tales from around the podcast world. They've already got over 70 episodes you can check out, so give them a listen sometime and support all the creators who are out there. And if you have your own podcast, reach out to the Indie Drop-In Network. Maybe they'll feature one of your episodes too. And one more plug, if I may. Uh, My good friends, Ace Aceto and Scott Higgins have a really fun podcast that they do every week called Behind the Funny. As many of you know, I work as a stand-up comedian most of the time. And every week, Ace and Scott, who are also stand-up comedians, they interview people from the comedy world and find out what they're like when they're not on stage telling jokes. But it's actually not just comedians. They also interview actors and writers and broadcasters. Uh, You can check out some of the older Halloween episodes that I've been on, where I get to scare the poop out of Scott with some of my stories. So give my friends Ace and Scott a listen. Uh, They're big supporters of mine and good friends. Again, their podcast is called Behind the Funny. Okay, thanks for sitting through all of that. Now, here's this week's episode. Like many of my stories, I was spending the weekend with my father, where I would usually end up spending most of my time with my friend Andy. He was my age, and we had a lot in common. And Quite often, we would disappear for the whole day, setting off on some adventure. We were curious kids, always looking for new things to discover and new places to explore. And being so close to a large wooded area With many abandoned buildings and sites nearby, we had no shortage of locations to investigate. One fall afternoon, we set off into the woods in a direction we hadn't been to often. Sometimes we would be so into the hiking and the conversation that we'd find ourselves way out there. And we had been walking for at least an hour or so with all the rough paths and obstacles That probably put us three to four miles away from home. We found ourselves walking towards an old abandoned brick building. Looked to be of a small mill of some kind. It was about three stories tall, but not much bigger than an average school or hospital. We managed to climb through a window and we spent hours walking around this empty building. Most of the hallways and staircases were dirty and musty, with pieces of plaster from years of decay all over the place. There wasn't much to see, but for some reason, we wanted to see it all. We must have explored every room, every office, every work floor, even the bathrooms. Surprisingly, the whole place was empty. There was no furniture, no rugs, no decorations on the walls, nothing. I thought for sure we'd find some rooms with empty bottles and cigarette butts from teenagers partying or maybe some graffiti on the walls from vandals, but no, the building seemed as if it had been unvisited since it closed down many decades ago. Eventually we noticed the sun was going down and we didn't have flashlights with us So we'd better get going before it gets too dark But by the time we made our way out of the building and into the woods the Sun had gone down below the trees and suddenly We didn't know where we were going We were following what we thought was the path back home But we ended up going in a completely different direction After several minutes of walking and looking around, we came upon some small stone buildings. They looked to be cottages, probably living areas for the people who once worked at that mill. There were four buildings total, all identical, lined up next to each other. We quickly peeked inside one of them through an old dirty window. It was too dark to see much but I thought I could make out what looked like furniture in the room. A table, maybe some chairs. But it was way too late and way too dark to go exploring these buildings. So we headed back in the other direction towards the mill and eventually found the original path that we took back home. I don't know if you've ever walked through the woods at dusk, you know, when the sun is setting and darkness is quickly creeping in. It's magical, but spooky at the same time. You quickly start to notice the sounds changing from daytime to nighttime. All the chirping you're hearing suddenly goes from birds to crickets. And the scurrying sounds in the brush changes from squirrels and chipmunks to foxes and fisher cats. And those noises you're hearing beyond the trees, those change from rabbits and deer to, well, who knows what it could be at night. finally arrived home safely but we couldn't stop thinking about those small cottages we discovered we knew we just had to go back and the next morning we did but this time a little more prepared with a backpack filled with supplies I put a flashlight in there a pocket knife some water some snacks just in case we got lost but we walked confidently through the chilly morning air, into the woods, and down towards the old mill. And eventually, we found that same path that led to the old cottages. Now with daylight helping us see better, I could tell that these were definitely places people had lived in. Some of the windows still had curtains hanging in them, and the doors had numbers on them basic accommodations at best, but they were probably the best that the mill workers could afford at the time. It wasn't uncommon back in the day for mills and large businesses to create housing for their employees. In many cases, the workers would be immigrants with nowhere to live, plus the owners would always know where their workers were, and they could conveniently deduct the rent right out of their paychecks. We approached the first cottage and peeked through the windows. Most of them still had glass in them, surprisingly. And the glass was thick and dirty. We could definitely make out furniture and objects in the room. And the main door into the cottage wasn't locked, but it did take some pulling by both of us to get it open. We slowly walked around and quickly determined that it was sort of a community living situation. There was a large kitchen area on the left that had some wooden tables against the walls, you know, sort of where countertops would be in modern day homes. There was an old sink and some cabinets up above and some empty spaces too, probably for an old stove or refrigerator, if they even had those back then. I always find myself fascinated by being inside old, historic places. Even to this day, I will stand in a room and sort of imagine what it must have been like back then. Picturing someone by the sink washing a dish or a different person over by the stove stirring a pot. Did they have electricity? Were they working by candlelight or lanterns? My mind always quickly wanders, and that was when Andy and I were both startled by a noise from the other room. It sounded like something fell over. We walked across the hall into what looked to be a dining room. Nothing fancy or anything, just a space where the tenants could sit and eat, or maybe play cards and read a book. There was an old wooden table in the middle of the room with three round wooden stools upside down on the table, as if stacked there one last time so someone could sweep or mop many years ago. But the fourth stool was curiously on its side on the floor. Was that the loud bang we heard? we decided to explore further and headed up a set of concrete stairs to the second floor. Everything in the building was concrete. The walls, the floors, the ceilings, and the stairs. At the top, there was what looked to be four bedrooms, two on each side of the hallway. And they were small, not much bigger than jail cells, really. But they all had wooden doors for privacy and a window that looked out into the woods. A couple of the rooms even still had furniture. One of them had an old metal bed frame with no mattress or pillow though. And another room had a small chair with an end table, but for the most part the rooms were bland and empty. Suddenly I realized there's no bathroom in this house. Not on the first floor, or the second. Kind of strange, I thought. Where do these people bathe, or brush their teeth? How do they shave, or go number one, or number two? We headed back downstairs, ready to leave, when I noticed a door we hadn't gone through yet. It was a door built underneath the stairs, right into the wall. This must be the bathroom, I thought. So I opened the door, but all I could see was a small dark room, a closet perhaps. I took out the flashlight and shined it inside and noticed there was a large hole in the floor. I looked at Andy. Please tell me this isn't where they go poop. I shined the light down into the hole and can see what looked like metal rungs on the side of the wall. Sort of like a ladder. So this hole wasn't really a hole. It was like a tunnel that led down to another level. An underground room. We had to know what was down there. So I tucked my flashlight into my belt, pulled my backpack on a little tighter, and slowly climbed down the ladder with Andy right behind me. As I got to the last rung, I looked down with my feet hanging below me, and let go. I landed on my feet, almost fell over. Andy jumped down right behind me, and I started shining my flashlight around the room. It was pitch dark without the flashlight. It was a huge room, with more concrete floors and walls and ceilings. The room stretched out in both directions and seemed to be the exact same size as the cottage itself. We walked around looking to see if there was anything down there, but it was completely empty. What could this room have been used for? I quickly noticed that there were no doors or windows, and no other way out except for the ladder. We stood there looking at each other, and then at the same time we both noticed the same thing, the silence. This was the quietest room I have ever been in. There were no sounds at all. The only thing we could hear was each other breathing. All of a sudden the silence started to scare us a little. It was spooky. I started to get that feeling like I wasn't supposed to be there. Let's get out of here, Andy said. We made our way back to the ladder, and that's when we realized we can't reach it. The tunnel was at least a foot or more above my head, even when I tried jumping. I couldn't quite reach that bottom rung. We both looked at each other in panic. Are we stuck down here? How is anyone going to find us? We stood there for a few minutes just imagining the worst. But then I had an idea. I would give Andy a boost up to that bottom rung and he could climb up and run and get help, or at least get a rope or something to get me out. He was reluctant at first to leave me down there alone, but he knew it was the only way. So I boosted him up and he pulled himself up onto the ladder and climbed to the top of the hole, and he yelled down to me that he'd be back as soon as possible. As his face disappeared from the top of the hole, I just stood there in the middle of the room, looking around with my flashlight. The silence was deafening. I couldn't even hear Andy's footsteps leaving or the door closing behind him. It was a complete absence of sound, like nothing I've ever heard before. I crept over to the corner of the room, and just sat down on the cold floor. I was worried about the batteries in my flashlight dying, but I couldn't bring myself to shut it off. The silence kept messing with my head. Eventually, my brain was so tuned in to the quiet that I could actually hear my own heartbeat. I decided to get up and pace around a little. It had only been probably five or 10 minutes but it already felt like an hour. I was slowly walking around the room when suddenly I noticed something on the wall, some sort of markings. I rubbed my eyes thinking maybe the silence was playing tricks with my eyes now too. But as I looked closer, it appeared as if the markings were scratches like someone or something had been scratching at the walls with their nails or their claws. Trying to get out, probably. I quickly looked around again as if maybe that person or creature is still here with me. But still, it was just me and those four walls of silence. I made my way back over to the hole in the ceiling and tried jumping again. I took off my backpack and set down my flashlight and jumped as high as I could. Even with a running start, the best I could do was graze that bottom rung. Every time I'd land, the whole room echoed from the rubber of my sneakers hitting the concrete. Eventually I tired and just gave up and sat there on the floor, under the hole, with my legs crossed and flashlight in my lap. My mind started to wander. What if Andy didn't come back? Nah, he wouldn't do that. Of course he's coming back. How much trouble will we be in, though, if he tells our parents? Nah, nah, he wouldn't do that. He'll think of something. I sat there trying to think of other things. Pleasant things like being in my bedroom playing video games or riding around on my bike on a nice summer day. But then my thoughts quickly returned to me asking myself, how did I get into this? Occasionally I would look around the room, listening and looking just to reassure myself that I was alone. And then finally, I heard a sound that wasn't my heartbeat, but this sound was worse than the silence, it was a scraping sound. I swear it sounded like someone was scratching on the concrete walls, and I couldn't tell where it was coming from. It was like it was in all directions. I stood up, put my hands over my ears and just yelled, stop it, just Stop it. And the sound went away. And the silence returned, but only for a couple of minutes, when suddenly I heard a voice yelling from above, Tommy, Tommy. It was Andy. He was back. I looked up the tunnel, and at the top of the hole, there was his face. I was so hoping it was him and not my imagination. Here, take this, he said. Next thing I know, a round wooden stool came sliding down the hole and crashed down in front of me. I quickly put my backpack on my shoulders and tucked my flashlight into my belt, climbed up on the stool, reached for that bottom rung, and pulled myself up out of that hole as quickly as I could got to the top and asked Andy, what took you so long? And he looked at me and said, I've only been gone for like five minutes. Just then, we heard it again. A crashing sound. The stool at the bottom of the hole had been knocked over again. My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at IncompTech.com. If you enjoy my stories and would like to support the podcast, please visit my website at myparanormalstory.com. Click on the donate button for Venmo, PayPal, or Cash App. Every little bit helps. I also have t-shirts and coffee mugs for sale too. This podcast wouldn't exist without you, so thank you for your support. I've recently started adding my podcast to YouTube, and I'm remastering versions of past episodes and posting them every week, and it would really help me out a lot if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. You can find me at youtube.com slash myparanormalstory. Also, please check out my book, The 10 Best Tools for Ghost Hunting. If you've ever wanted to learn more about the gadgets used in Paranormal Investigation, you can check it out on Audible, Kindle, or Amazon.com. Please feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for My Paranormal Story. And if you have a podcast and would like to have me as a guest, or if you'd like to ask me a question, or tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today, and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.